welcome to the Twinkie Chronicles podcast, where two twins are shedding light on the childbearing years. It's your host, Christina Lundy, a.k.a. Twinkie number one. And Kathy Garrett, a.k.a. Twinkie number two. And today we have a super special guest, my RC Cola from way back when. I don't even know if she remembers that nickname I gave her, I don't know, years ago. Um, I do. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So welcome, Rachel Howell. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fabulous. Um, We're super excited to have you on today. Thanks for taking the time away from your sweet little family. And um, yeah, let's get started. So we're going to talk about formula today. Um, But first, before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Oh, Lord. Uh, So right now it's just me and my husband, Joseph, and then Charlotte. She's 16 months old. Um, I'm pregnant with my second now, and we live in Kansas because I'm in the military. So we're just waiting. I get out in August. So sometime this summer, hopefully we'll be home. And where do you guys call home? Uh, Georgia with you guys. Yeah. (laughs) My mom's house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So a little backstory, Rachel and I lived together. I think she was in middle school, I believe. Um, I think so. Yeah, but before I got married and had my own family. Um, So they were kind of my family when I didn't have one. So it was special. Um, So I know with your, during your pregnancy with Charlotte, you kind of set out to nurse, but kind of give us um, the snippet of what made you guys make the decision to switch to formula and how it benefited your family? Uh, so basically, you know, like I had always decided that I wanted to try and breastfeed if I could. Um, my heart wasn't set on it. My soul wasn't set on it. But I also looked at the cost effectiveness of it as well. Um, True. <laughs> so as I was trying to breastfeed, I think I tried for like 10 days. I met with the lactation consultant and everything. And I actually realized when she was about nine months old, I think she's got a pretty severe lip tie. So I think that that was part of my problems. Um, But I just decided to switch to formula mainly because like I was exhausted uh, and mainly for my mental health. I had this like major breakdown one day and was like, I can't do this anymore. And I'm tired. And I got tired of being up for two hours to try and feed her and try and get her to latch for 45 minutes and then her eating and then me pumping and then her going to sleep. And then by the time that she woke up, I I had slept for like 45 minutes. I was just so tired that I couldn't take it. And I just, I had to, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah, sure. I totally understand that. And I, um, you know, there's that saying that floats around on social media, fed is best. And agreed. Yeah. So I think that while, you know, it is cost effective and it, there are a lot of benefits to breastfeeding, like when it's hindering, you know, sleep deprivation or your own mental health. Like, I think you definitely have to advocate for yourself and make some different decisions. Um, now you mentioned that Charlotte, um, I think you said she was about nine months old when you found a lip tie. How, tell us a bit more about that. Like, how did you discover the lip tie? Did you guys have it revised or anything? So I 
kind of was curious in the beginning because uh, of how many issues I had or how hard it was for us to, for me to get her to latch, but the pediatrician didn't find it. And the lactation consultant that I met with didn't find it either. Um, she didn't seem to think that there was anything. She doesn't have a tongue tie, but one day I was like looking in her mouth and it just crossed my mind. So it was like, let me check. So, you know, I just lifted up her lip and her frenulum, I think that's what it's called, is like connected all the way down to right in between her teeth. Um, I have not had it revised because sometimes my memory fails me and I have forgotten to mention it to the pediatrician because she's never noticed it. She's found everything else under the sun that she needs to, but not that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have an appointment on Monday and I'm going to try to remember to talk to her and see about revision. Uh, I've been told that at this point, revision usually goes through a dentist. I don't have dental insurance for her because she's got like seven teeth and I True. don't see the point. <laughs> yeah. But, so, but sometimes dentists take medical insurance. They may, I don't know what they do out here. I, we can enroll. Like if I do mention it to the pediatrician and she says, yeah, you have to go through the, the dentist. I know they can sometimes do it through ENT as well. So I'm hoping they'll go that route, but if they don't, it's nothing, it's not complicated to enroll in dental out here. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, that would kind of make sense why she was struggling with latching. Mm -hmm. I, my kids were have all stopped breastfeeding, um, thankfully. <laughs> um, but I have since seen um, some tongue ties on them, and which kind of surprised me with my girls because I didn't have any troubles nursing them. So it kind of like, it's one of those anomalies, like I guess maybe a tongue tie or lip tie can affect breastfeeding, and then maybe sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I think it depends on the severity of the tongue or lip tie, how bad it is. Um, that can really make the difference. And I was talking to a girl that I work with, and I was telling her how, I guess, restless Charlotte was when she was like first born. Probably for the first like month and a half, I couldn't really get her to like, I had to buy a or get a like the rocker. It's a Graco and it is a bassinet type deal, but it also rocks. Because I couldn't, if I laid her down still for the first like month and a half of her life, she'd wake right back up. So I had to keep her in the rocker. And she actually said that lip ties or tongue ties can like lead to enough discomfort that it can keep them up at night. And I was like, well, sounds like my experience. <laughs> yeah, that definitely fits the bill. It would be, I would like to start collecting data on that and see like if there are more um, correlations with children, um, who are kind of, you know, there's a lot more discomfort because I was listening to a podcast last week about a woman, um, and she had trouble with her son nursing. Mm -hmm. And I think he was about three, I could be wrong. Um, when they discovered his tongue tie and they wow. are going, even, you know, at three they they decided to, uh, get the tongue tie revised because it can lead to like sleep apnea and trouble regulating yourself because you're not able to take a full deep breath, like different things can happen. So even oh. for her, you know, she's, I don't know, an adult in her 20s mm -hmm. or 30s and she's going to have it done as well. Wow. So it just, 
it's really interesting how, you know, we can label babies as like colicky or fussy or, you know, these things, but really it's like a biological thing that's going on with them. And the only way they know how to communicate it is just through crying. And, I know. But it's unnerving for us <laughs> as yeah, their care definitely. provider. Right? So <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like you're fed, you're burped, like yeah. what else? And I had no issues with her once I gave her the bottle. She she took the bottle, no problem. I guess you don't have to try as hard or they don't have to try as hard whenever yeah. they do take the bottle, but she took to it, no problem, didn't care. Right, exactly. Yeah, the bottle, um, the reason that a lot of babies, and then, you know, you get into like nipple confusion and, you know, mm-hmm. all of those types of things is like when a baby is breastfeeding, they have to use a lot more muscle. And, yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah, and and they have to suck harder to get the milk to come out. Mm-hmm. So it's honestly a workout. That's why a lot of babies fall asleep at the breast. Um, I will say with my first, he went into the NICU. I think he was like three or four days old when he went and was there for a handful of days. And I was really, you know, I had been told at the WIC office, like, don't give him a pacifier for the first month. Don't give them a bottle for the first month, like wait until breastfeeding is super established. And so, you know, first time mom, I'm like, I want to breastfeed, like I'm all in, no pacifier, no Mm -hmm. bottle. But then he went to the NICU. (laughs) And you're like, well. Yeah, that all went out. Like I was almost, I felt looked down upon that I didn't want to give my baby a pacifier. They were like, well, sucking is how he soothes himself. And I'm like, but I want him to, to use me to soothe. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we don't have time for that. And so it, yeah, it's the whole story. Is, yeah. You're like, but, but he's supposed to be able to. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like we're supposed to be at home right now. He's almost <laughs> a week old. Like, but, yeah. Um, but then uh, when they started giving him a bottle, he really did have trouble learning to latch um, after mm-hmm. and I mean I don't know if it's correlated he had other health issues um so I'll never truly know if it's because of the nipple confusion or if it's related to his other health issues mm-hmm. um but long story short we ended up nursing for like 19 months um, oh, wow, and it went awesome. very well and so I'm curious to know like moving forward with your next baby will you like do formula from the start or will you try breastfeeding again? Like what is your plan this time to feed your baby? Uh, My plan is to try breastfeeding again. I'm still interested in doing it and I still want to do it, but just because it was so like difficult to get it with Charlotte, I had to take my mental health into consideration so much that I mean, kind of the same thing will happen this time that we'll try, we'll see what happens. And if it works, then it works. That's awesome. And if it doesn't, then that's okay. You know, we'll switch to formula and we'll do what we have to do. Yeah. yeah. But I am going to try. Right. Yeah. I think that that's super awesome and that you have peace about that. I've heard, you know, different stories about um, mothers being shamed for switching to formula or even Mm -hmm. just supplementing with formula, like, Yep. You know, the lactation consultant or whoever is guiding them wants them to use donor milk. Well, some families aren't comfortable with donor milk and they're more comfortable with formula. And so 
that's something that I can say for me, I'm super, I guess, is a big conviction that I have that whatever works for your family, because y'all know your dynamics best, that is the decision. And while prioritizing the caregiver's mental health. I completely agree. Yeah, like there's such a shift. You know, it's exciting to have a baby, but you really don't understand how hard it is until until you do it. Into it. Exactly. <laughs> and you Same have no marriage. choice. Right. Exactly. It's like, you know, you go to the hospital or home, wherever you choose, and you know, you're given this baby, and it's like, but I don't even know how to like settle them. Like and you yeah. want to go home with them or like what? And so yeah, and there's so many different parts to figure out are you going to vaccinate are you not how are you going to feed your baby you're having a boy are you going to circumcise like all of these decisions can feel very overwhelming Um, there's so much to think about before the baby's even born that once they're born it's even more overwhelming because now you have to take care of them (laughs) well you know that's a really really good point and that's why like with my doula clients I actually just talked to one of them yesterday she's due this coming Wednesday and I was like, let's get a postpartum plan together. Like yeah. get a pediatric dentist on there, lactation, anything you think you may need. Do it so now. that when you're totally sleep deprived, you don't have to be Googling something. No, it's just right there on the fridge. Right. Yep. And that's, you know, huh. I think about like between my first and my second, because of stepchildren and custody and different things that happen. I went from having one kid to four kids in two years. And um, I look back on that time and it really was like, just put my nose to the grindstone and Mm -hmm. survive, get these kids fed, get these kids to school, to the doctor, wherever. And I mean, I had a great support system, um, you know, with my in-laws living down the street. Uh, but there, you know, there were times they were busy too. And I had to figure out how to manage all of this. And, you know, now that, um, those kids are older and out of the house, I can kind of breathe now (laughs) and just enjoy my younger three. And it's like, looking back, I don't know how I survived. I I I really don't. I'm nervous about the transition from one to two (laughs) and not only because like I remember with Charlotte I could I could sleep when she slept I didn't have to think about it I could just fall asleep on the couch as long as she was asleep and then she woke me up but now like when we go home I'm going to try to do some school online for the first few months um, before I go in-person school and have to worry about child care for both kids and I just think about the fact that like but now I'm not going to get to sleep all day in the first like few weeks. I might get lucky because my mom will still be out of school because I'm due in the middle of the summer. So I might have my mom's help with Charlotte, but like, I am not looking forward to the fact that like, even at two months old, like everybody's going to be working or at school and I'm going to have to find a way to manage with the, like not being able to sleep all day. If I don't, if I want to, you know, because I'm going to have to stay up with Charlotte, even though the baby's sleeping whenever she wants to. <laughs> right. And that I, I vividly remember um, being at church and my belly being as big, wide as I am tall. And 
my two-year-old at the time was running away from me. And I was like, how am I going to manage two? <laughs> and this mom who has six kids was like, you just do. Yeah, you figure and it out. You just figure it out. And, you know, that's kind of one of the, I love that you brought that up because like, that's one of the beautiful things about motherhood that we don't realize. Like the love that you have for your first child it just multiplies and grows yeah. and then somehow is dispersed between the other children. I don't, I love each of my children, all five of them for different reasons, but the love that I have for all of them is just so big. Like words can't even encompass how much I love yeah. them, but it just grows and it just multiplies. And then the same for just caring for them, the sleep that you get or don't get, like there have, but that's something that's beautiful that comes out of motherhood too, is um, boundaries and like prioritizing self-care, prioritizing um, your own needs. Like I got to feed myself before I feed my kids. Cause if, if they're cooked, it's going to pass out from not eating. <laughs> yeah, then they're not going to get anything. Yeah, like <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> that's a bit extreme of a, an example, but you get but the I, idea. Like it, Exactly. It gives off the idea that, you know, you have to take care of yourself sometimes and it, and that's okay. Right. And that's, um, you know, now that I'm a single mom, like that's something that I'm learning. Like, it's okay for me to give my kids the tablet. And be like, go in your room and don't make a noise for 30 Exactly. Because <laughs> hey. I'm about to lose myself. We totally overdo screen time in this house. TV stays on Puppy Dog Pals almost all day long. But so sometimes she doesn't pay attention to it. But it's there when she wants to be occupied to it. And it's not there or it is there even if she doesn't want to be occupied by it. But you can step away. We have a little playpen in the um, living room. That way, like when she starts to scream, my husband will pick her up and be like, hey, you can throw your temper tantrum in here. 30 seconds later, she's mesmerized by what's on TV. And, you know, it, that's OK. It just it's like that sometimes. <laughs> right. And if that's what works for you guys, like awesome that y'all have found, you know, a, an avenue that works for the two of you, yep. like kids with like systems. Like on Tuesdays, I write out my grocery list. On Wednesday or Thursday, I go to the grocery store. On, you know, Mondays, we clean the house or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm a very, very much a type A personality. And so like having those systems, like, okay, today it's Monday. So that means we have to mop. Today it's Thursday. That means we do the chore of the month. So then I could communicate to the kids, like, these this is what chores. needs to happen. Right. And it, and it just was routine. And then they got in the yeah. habit of just going to the fridge and looking what the chore was or what was for dinner or fill in the blank. And so just like thinking through, like, based on my personality, what system could work for me yeah, and that my definitely partner. Makes sense. And, um, and then too, anytime, like when I had my um, first daughter, Anytime we make like something that could be doubled, like mm-hmm. spaghetti, I would just double it up and then put half the noodles in the freezer. Yep. Since I was already food later. Yeah. And, and for and, the day that you don't want to cook, you can just pull it out of the freezer. You can exactly. be fine. And then there's dinner and it's already done and it's already ready. Exactly. And so it just, yeah, just little systems like from one mom to another. Um, to you have to find make, them. <laughs> yeah, to make the transition from one to two 
simpler, easier. Yeah. And um, yeah, and don't be afraid to give Charlotte <laughs> the tablet or, you know, in the playpen with the TV on. I I vividly remember bouncing a baby in a bouncing chair while the two-year-old was in the playpen with a tablet and yep. me snoozing in between, you know? You do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I had to sleep, so... Um, well, was there any, anything else that you wanted to share? Um, no, not really. I just think advocacy for yourself is the most important thing, like regardless of what other people think and what other people think that you should be doing and say you should be doing when it comes to motherhood, you have to do what you have to do for yourself and for your family. And that's all that really matters. Yeah. I just love the way that you summed that up. That was perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, great job. Thanks so much for your help and um, for educating us on, you know, how transitioning to formula benefited your family. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, everyone, for joining today. You've been listening to the Twinkie Chronicles podcast, where two twins are shedding light on the childbearing years. These are your hosts, Kathy Garrett, a.k.a. Twinkie number two. And Christina Lundy, a.k.a. Twinkie number one. Bye-bye for now.